verse 1 says this. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. So that first word that we see there is everyone. Everyone who believes. So according to this verse, who can have a relationship with God? Yeah, everyone who believes. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved according to Scripture. We see over and over and over again in Scripture the evidence that anyone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus can have a relationship with him. Anyone, everyone can be saved. And so that's what I want us to, to focus on this morning as we, as we are reading these verses. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And there's a lot going on here. We know that, uh, as we've seen previously in 1 John, because for those of you who uh, haven't been here, we've been going through 1 John verse by verse. And this is where we are now, 1 John chapter 5. We're on our last chapter, finishing it up. And um, here in verse 1, we see everyone who believes. But we've seen what belief means according to the rest of 1 John and many other places in Scripture. And this belief is not just a head knowledge. This belief is faith. It's, it's not just believing that he is God because lots of people believe that he is God. And we've talked about how even the demons believe that he is God. So it's more than just a head knowledge. It's, a, it's putting your trust in him, putting your faith in him. You're putting, you believe and trust him. He's everything and he's yours and you're his and he's your savior and, and you're his servant. And you, you believe. So who can be saved? Everyone who believes like that. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. Okay? So, in the first part, before the comma there, uh, a comma, for those of you who it's been a while for, since you've been in school, it's that little crooked thing. I'm just playing. Um, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Okay? Has been born of God. So before the comma, we see that who has been born of God? Well, Jesus Christ. Everyone who believes that Jesus Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. Well, who has been born of him? Jesus. So if we say we love God, then we have to love whom? Jesus. And look, I I know this is an exclusive statement. The Bible is filled with exclusive statements. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So everyone who believes can be saved, right? But who can come to the Father apart from Christ? No one can come to the Father except through me. That's John chapter 14, verse 6. And so we'll be going to John chapter 14 here in just a little bit. But everyone who believes that Jesus Christ has been born of God... And everyone who loves the Father lo- uh, loves whoever has been born of him. So this is saying that if we love God, we love the Father. And everyone who's been born of God loves and believes. And this is nothing new from what we've been studying in, in John. So let's go to verse 2. In verse 2, by this we know that we love the children of God. We've seen a lot of verses that start this way. By this we know, or by this we can know, or by this we can have assurance or confidence. And here he's saying, by this we know what? That we love the children of God. So how can we know that we love the children of God? 
when we love God and obey his commandments. So how can we know that we love the children of God? So not only only are we to love the main person born of God, Jesus, but we're also supposed to love everyone born of God, fellow Christians, and everyone created by God. We see in other places in Scripture, which is all people on earth. And so how can we know that we love? When we love God and obey his commandments. And so um, for time's sake, sorry if I seem seem a little rushed, but I want to make sure that we finish that we bask in the sermon, but also that we finish in time to be able to concentrate on the Lord's Supper. When we see love here, we know that this is not just some sort of sentimental feeling. How do we know? When we love God and obey His commandments. Love and obedience are connected often throughout Scripture. This won't be up on the screen, but if you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 14 with me. And in John chapter 14, we spent some time here recently when we looked at the fact that Jesus was telling the disciples that he had to leave them, that he was going to die, but he was going to prepare a place for them. That it was good that he was going to leave them because while he was going, he was going to prepare a place for them and that he would come back for them. Thomas said... uh, Jesus said, don't worry, you know where I'm going. And Thomas said, we don't, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way to where you're going? And Jesus says, I am the way, as we just mentioned earlier, the verse we read earlier. As we keep going down a few verses, we get to chapter 14, verse 15. And we see in John, and this is in the gospel of John, not First John, but John chapter 14, verse 15. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then we see, if we keep going down to verse 21... Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. So at first, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Then he says, whoever keeps my commandments, that's who loves me. Then in verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. In verse 24, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. So that's a a negative statement. So the, the first ones were basically... If you love God, you obey him. You keep his commandments. And then if you, if you don't love him, you don't keep his words. And then that chapter ends in verse 31 by saying this. Jesus says, but I do as the Father has commanded me. So Jesus is saying, I obey the Father. Why does he do so? So that the world may know that I love the Father. And then he says, rise, let us go from here. And so um, love is connected to obedience. We cannot say we love God and mean it biblically if there is no obedience. We have to obey if we love. Now, I'm not saying we're going to be perfect. I'm not going to say we're, we're never going to fail or we're never going to sin or, or not follow God wholeheartedly. There are going to be moments like that. But if we love him, we're going to repent and we're going to strive to obey him. So why do we do that? Well, how many of you have ever known, known a, a couple who grew old together and who loved each other? Anybody ever known a couple like that? A few of you? Um, love is not just drawing hearts on a piece of paper and ch- saying check yes or no. Although those things can be a part of it. 
But love is sitting by a sick loved one's bed. Love is when you disagree, sometimes strongly, you stick by each other, even with the disagreements. You work through it. You fight through it because you love each other. Love is when um, when one person is tired. Uh, for those of you who have had the responsibility of caring for someone, whether that's a spouse or a child or a sibling or whatever the case might be, love is when you are so exhausted and so tired that the last thing you want to do is do something for someone else. But you do it anyway because you love them. You see, love is not, it's not just words. Love is active. Love is proven with actions. Love to God is obedience. And it's not obedience in the sense of, oh, uh, I'm a follower of God, so I guess I got to do this. Or I'm a Christian, so that means I can't do this. And don't act like we haven't all been there before. But love is when there is something inside of you that has all the sentimentality and the feelings and and all of that that goes with being in love. Uh, Yes, that's there sometimes. But love is also when those feelings are are absent, you do what love bids you to do anyway. You obey anyway. You remain faithful anyway. If I get upset with Rose and we have a hard week or a hard month or a hard year, does that give me any right to go try to find someone else to love? No, she's my wife. I have to remain faithful to her because I've made a vow to her and I love her. And when I see Rose, she's not here this morning, so I'll pick on her. She is with the kids in Conway at at her sister's church. But uh, when I see Rose, yeah, there are times when I'm like, oh, my goodness, woman, what? Okay, there are those moments. And she slaps me if I say it out loud. But there are also those moments when... I open my eyes, we're laying in bed, and I open my eyes and I see her, and I'm just like, thank you, God, for letting me be married to this woman. Thank you, God, that she is the mother of my children. Thank you, God, that I have a wife who loves you like Rose does. And there are moments when, yeah, I'm tired, and yeah, I don't want to do what I'm supposed to do, but I do it, and she does it. Why? Because we love each other. Not because we have to. Oh, she's my wife. I guess I better do this. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying I never feel that sometimes. But that's not the healthy version of love. Healthy love is when, yes, she's my wife. And yes, I'm going to do what I need to do because she is my wife. But I love her. And I want to serve her because of our relationship. I belong to her. She belongs to me. And, and, and that's love. And that's where obedience comes from. Out of a place of loving devotion, not out of a place of compulsion. Verse 3 of 1 John chapter 5. 
For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. When the commandments of God seem burdensome, there's a few things going on. A few possibilities. One is, is that we're being legalistic. We're looking at rules and we say, here's a checklist and I have to do all these things perfectly. That's, we're not under the law. Christ has fulfilled the law. There's only one law now. Love the Lord with the God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. The second one is equal to the first one. And so, love, that's what we're called to do, is love. And so, we don't have to say, well, have, have you read your Bible six times this week? Now, did you cuss? Because if you did, you, you need to realize how deadly of a sin that is. No. If we sin, then we go to God and we say, I'm sorry, because we love him. And we've sinned against him. I'm sorry. Help me, help me to live for you better. Keep transforming me, transforming me into your son's image so that I can be like him and I can love you like he loved you. So that I can obey you the way that you have called me to obey you. I want us to, to look at a verse and then I'm going to wrap up this sermon. In 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, Paul is talking about uh, giving financially and, and how Christians are supposed to give. How we're supposed to give to others, be charitable, how we're supposed to give to the church, just giving in general. And this is what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. And I would like us to consider this in the, in the context of us giving anything, giving ourselves, giving our lives in love and obedience. Verse 7, each one must give as he has decided in his own heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That means we don't give because, oh, I've got to do this because God requires it. We give because I want to give this because Christ gave his life for me and he has given everything for me and I want to do whatever I can to show him how grateful I am. I love him and I'm thankful for the fact that he gave his life on a cross and therefore I want to give back. I know I can't ever repay him for what he's done. I'm not trying to do that. I just love him. And because he first loved me and because of what he has done for me, I want to love in return. He has wooed me like a lover woos another. He has wooed me and I want to live for him. I love him. I want to obey him. That is what obedience and love looks like. Is we, we love and we obey because he is worth it. Because he has won our hearts. Because we are his. And if there is an absence of that feeling, if there is an absence of a desire to obey, then something's wrong in, in our relationship with God. I'm not saying we don't have one. I'm just saying that there's something messed up in the fellowship. And probably all of us in this room have come to points in our life where we've obeyed just because it was the right thing to do. Not because we felt any sort of love or, or compassion or, or or draw toward God, but just because, you know what, this is what I'm supposed to do. 
And I'm not saying that there, there aren't going to be times like that. But what I'm saying is, is let's all seek those moments where we feel love for God. But not just feel it. We act on it. We obey Him. We let those feelings produce obedience. And here's what I believe. I believe that if we will obey in the moments that we don't feel like it, that obedience will also produce that feeling. And so, his commandments are not burdensome. Verse 4, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So how can we overcome the world? Where does victory come from? It comes from, going back to verse 1, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus Christ has been born of God, that's where it comes from, our faith. We have victory because Christ has victory. We have victory because he offers salvation to everyone who believes. And we believe, if you believe in here. And so my question to you this morning is, do you believe? Do you have faith? Verse 5, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And so, my question to you is, do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? If you don't, then this morning, you can put your faith in Him. If you heard this sermon, or God has been working on you before you even came in to walk through these doors this morning, maybe you believe that it's time. You know that, that God has told you in your heart, it's time to follow Him. If that's the case, you can follow Him this morning. You can become His disciple. You can be born again. You can put your faith in him. Everyone who believes that Jesus has been born of God, everyone who believes can be saved. And so, do you believe this morning? For those of you who already have a relationship with him, do you have love for him? Do you have obedience for him? If you, if you don't have love and obedience, then something is wrong. And, and, and not obeying just because you have to, but obeying because you want to. His, his commandments are not burdensome. His commandments are there for our sake, to protect us, to keep us healthy, and, and for the good of others, the good of the people around us, not just for our good, but for everyone's good and for his glory. And so this morning we're going to enter a time of invitation. And if you've never put your faith in him, you can put your faith in him this morning. If you have put your faith in him, then my question to you is, are you loving and obeying him? And according to scripture, when someone becomes a follower of Jesus, the first step of obedience is baptism. Have you been baptized? You can come down this morning and let us know that you want to be baptized and we can baptize you soon. If not, next week, the week after. And if you have been baptized and you're not a part of a church family, I just want to extend an invitation. If you're a Christian in our community or within driving distance and you want a church home, we would love for you to be a part of our church. So for any of you who want to respond to God in whatever way he's leading you, allow this to be a time when you can do that. Let us pray.